Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning, if you will, to John chapter 7, beginning verse 37. John chapter 7, beginning verse 37. We will not exhaust this this morning. I'll just let you know that. I'm going to read the whole text to the end of the chapter, but we're only going to deal with one very small part of it as we come to the Lord's table this morning. Then we'll come back to it uh, probably after uh, next Sunday. Probably next Sunday we'll have a, a little different type of sermon related specifically to the final Sunday of Advent. Uh, and so we probably we may not be in John. We may be in John for that, but uh, we may not we may not be. So we'll see as that day gets closer. But we will be back in John after the Christmas season, after the Advent season. I, I sat there this morning as I worshipped down the front row. I I tried to come up with some new symbolism here. We're always talking about the cross is always behind the cradle. And now, look, this morning we come to the Lord's table, and I guess the the cradle was always behind the Lord's table also. It was his coming that makes the table something that we participate in. It was his coming that set into course the events that led to that final supper with his disciples that led to the cross. And so all of this is sort of... uh, intermingle together to understand the fullness of the gospel message. It's not just about one specific event at one particular time, but it's the whole of Christ's life. It's the whole of Christ's ministry. It's the whole of atonement. Listen to the words of our Lord from John seven thirty-seven and following, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, remember he's at the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. And still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Isn't there irony there? They don't even know where he was born. They still got him just placed in Nazareth. We talked last week about how they said he couldn't be the Messiah because he was from Nazareth. He's Joseph's boy, Mary's son. And yet, there they acknowledge the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus even without acknowledging that they know because they don't know that they're fulfilling it. It's always amazing when people fulfill the truth of God even out of ignorance. Well, we can talk about that next time because that doesn't fit today, but it's important to see. Verse 43, so a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priest and the Pharisees, and they said to them, why did you not bring him? Why didn't you lay hands on him? Why didn't you arrest him? Why did you not bring him back to us? right now. And they said, the officers answered, 
Never, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? Oh, no one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus from back in chapter 3? Came to Jesus by night asking questions. You must be born again, Jesus said. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. And everyone went to his home. There's a lot of things in here that we will look at in the coming weeks, but I I, I do want you to see the progressive work of grace as we come to this table this morning. I want you to see the progressive work of grace in this man called Nicodemus. Again, we'll talk about that more in depth later on, but I I want you to remember he came to Jesus by night, evidently because he didn't want to be seen talking to him. He, he He was obviously thinking there must be something to this man, but he said, tell me what I need to know. And Jesus said, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus went away sad because he said, I can't enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born. He didn't understand the spiritual nature of the rebirth, the spiritual nature of the new birth. And here Nicodemus is among the Pharisees and the, and the leaders and, and the officers come back who were sent out to arrest Jesus, no doubt, and, and they're wondering why they didn't bring him in. And Nicodemus says, listen, we can't, we can't judge this man. We've not heard him give his own testimony. Our law protects him. We, we've got to watch our... Now, I don't think Nicodemus is saying he believes, but boy, those, relig- those religious leaders certainly said, are you now becoming a believer also in him? I mean, we understand the masses having pity on him. We understand the masses thinking that maybe he is the Messiah. But Nicodemus, you're a leader of the Jews. You are one of us. Are you now beginning to think he might be something? There's no indication he does at that point. But in just a short while, six months or so, we're going to see our Lord hanging on the cross as a sacrifice, as our substitute, we're going to see our Savior hanging on the cross, dying. And when he is dead, Joseph of Arimathea is going to come and ask for the body to lay in his tomb. And Joseph will take that body with the assistance of Nicodemus, who by that time no doubt had come to see that this man was the Messiah, is the Messiah. But there is a progression of grace there. There's a progression of enlightenment there. You know, I get really frustrated with people when they don't see immediately, don't you? I I get really upset when I share the gospel with somebody that obviously needs the gospel, and I say, look, it's so clear. And they say, well, I don't know. I get frustrated with them. I want to say, well, are you you just crazy or something? It's so clear. Here was Nicodemus. 
And there was this progressive understanding of God's grace, this progressive working of God's grace in his life. It probably says to you and me that we ought to be a little more graceful when we share the gospel and people don't immediately respond and we don't just throw up our hands and say, well, I give up on them, I just forget it. If you don't see it, just forget it. There's indication here that Jesus knew who Nicodemus was and Jesus watched Nicodemus and he watched that work of God's grace progress in his life and it ought to be so in many people's lives that we deal with also. We want results right then. God's timing, many times, I dare say most of the time, not all the time, is not just to bring somebody to faith in Christ, but it's to teach you and me some tremendous truths about Him and about His work. Well, that has nothing to do with the sermon today, but I want you to see that. I want to talk to you about these first verses as we come to the Lord's table. It's interesting that we come to this. Last time we came to the Lord's table, four weeks ago or so, we came with Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me will have eternal life. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. And now he comes and he's talking about water. This is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And one of the, one of the big events of the Feast of Tabernacles, especially on the last day, which this is, the last day of the feast, uh, they would come in and they would pour water uh, into the temp- in the temple out of the, the spring of Siloam. And they, they would celebrate this, this celebration of God's providing water all through the wilderness. The, the Feast of Tabernacles is all about the wilderness wanderings. And, and they would come in and they would pour water in there to symbolize that God throughout the wilderness wanderings not only provided bread in the form of manna, not only provided food for them, but also provided water, sometimes out of natural springs, but many times out of, out of supernatural provisions. Uh, out of a rock, the water would flow and they would have water. God was always providing for them in the wilderness. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles celebrates. And that's what this particular last day celebrates is the water. And Jesus says on that day, as they prepare for that final day of the feast, he, he stands on that great day, John says, and he cried out. Can you imagine the people there celebrating the pouring of the water? having seen the ritual followed, having seen the celebration done, and then Jesus stands up in the middle of all the people, and, and the word he uses there for cried out is a very loud, very boisterous, very expressive thing. That's why I tried to read it without blowing you away with the amplification a while ago, but try to read it rather loud. Because he stood up and he said, he said, if anyone is thirsty... Anybody thirsty? Anybody need water? They needed water in the wilderness. It was hot. It was, it was desert. It was, it was treacherous. It was, it was sandy. They needed water. But does anybody need water today? Is anybody thirsty today? And I'm not talking about with a physical thirst. I'm not talking about with a thirst that can be satisfied by the water we just poured out here in this ritual. I'm talking about, 
Are you spiritually thirsty? Are you spiritually seeking something? Are you missing something in life that you just cannot find? You've tried it in every conceivable way, including religion. You've tried it in in legalism. You've tried it in trying to to do your very best. You've tried it in in trying to do good deeds to other people. But there's still an emptiness. There's still a thirstiness. There's still something lacking. There's something that you still need. Does anybody thirst? Then let him come to me. Let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and I will give him living water. Let him come to me and I will give him water that will satisfy that thirst and fill that thirst that can't be filled with with drugs and alcohol and sexual encounters and finances and money and wealth and and prestige and honor and position and and jobs and, and even family. Come to me. Come to me and and drink. There's a there's a there's an invitation there. There's a there's a call there from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, "Do you have a need spiritually? Do you have an emptiness in your life? Do you have a thirst in your life? Then come. I'm inviting you. Come to me." I am, I am filled with water. I am the living water. I am someone who can meet that need like nobody or nothing else can. Come to me. And I'll give you a drink. Matter of fact, I'll give you a drink in such a way, he says in verse 38, that if you believe in me, if you trust in me, not just with a superficial intellectual, oh, I believe he's Jesus, yes, I believe he's who he said he was, yes, but who believes in me with all your soul, all your might, all your strength, if you, if you really believe in me and put your trust in me, he said, just as the scripture says, I will from your innermost beings cause the flowing of waters, living water, rivers of living water. You take my drink, if you believe in me, you'll be a conduit for my water. You'll be someone who can share the truth of living water with other people. Out of your innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. In verse 39, John gives us the interpretation, lest we miss it. He's speaking of the Spirit whom those who believe in Him were to receive, and those who believe in Him today receive, not as a second blessing, but as a a part of salvation. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit has not been at work in the world throughout all of uh, history. We see the Spirit at work in the Old Testament. We hear about the Spirit coming upon someone, but then the Spirit does not abide there. The Spirit leaves. We hear about the Spirit being over the the, the face of the earth at creation. The the Spirit has always been at work, but the Spirit has never really been received in such a way as it was on Pentecost in believers' lives after Jesus was glorified. I want you to see 
Jesus saying here, if you come to me, believe in me, drink of me, the Spirit will be yours. And the Spirit will work through you, in you, through you. In such a way that the living water that you receive from me, your, your innermost being will be a river of that. It will flow out from you. Now, now, I think there's several things here I want you to see. For those who really believe, those who are really children of God, to those who really have come to the Lord by genuine faith, something radical happens. You don't just become religious. You don't just decide, oh, I'll join a church and I'll sit there. You don't just say, oh, well, I'll try to stop a few bad habits I've got and I'll, I'll drop a buck in the offering plate. Then I'll feel good about myself. That's not it at all. When you really come to Him, there's a change in your life. We, we talked about this with the ninth and 10th grade this morning that I've been teaching for a couple of weeks. There's a there's a new standard of holiness. There's a new holiness that exists within the believer. Because the Spirit of God has quenched our thirst, filled us with His Spirit, that out of our life might flow, to use Paul's terminology, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control things of which there is no law against. It's the, it's the glory of Christ. It's the, it's the picture of Christ flowing through our lives. It's interesting that we came a month ago and talked about the bread of life, and we talked about this bread symbolizing His body, Him being the bread of life. Today we come to talk about living waters, but we talk about drinking, and we, we come to this Lord's table where we have the fruit of the vine, Symbolic of his blood that was shed for us. I remember my dear friend Roger Nicole, greatest theologians in my estimation that ever lived, how he used to say, Jesus takes the most simple things and shows us the most profound truths of the gospel. We profess him by baptism and a washing, bathing, Nothing more normal, I hope, for you than bathing. It's just normal. We bathe. Jesus said you go through the water as a symbol of the cleansing that has happened in your life in Christ. And eating and drinking. Many of you will leave, not many of you, all of you will leave here in about oh, 20 minutes or so. And you will scatter either to your house or somewhere to get something to eat. Some of you will say, we got to get somewhere fast. I'm starving. It's a lie. You're not really starving. Something of an overstatement. But I'm hungry. And it's a natural thing because our bodily functions are that we eat and we exercise a while of some sort. And then we eat again to replenish. And and Jesus says, "You, you bathe. I bathe you with living waters. I bathe you with the Word. You eat. He says, I feed you with the bread of life, and I feed you with living waters, and I feed you by my sacrificed blood. 
See, as we come to this table this morning, I want you to think about he who believes in me will never thirst. But not only, it's not, you know, here's the important thing. You'll never thirst spiritually again. That's good. That's personal. But Jesus doesn't stop it there. You'll never thirst personally. You'll have your spiritual thirst satisfied. Hooray! But because that thirst is satisfied, and because Jesus Christ is now indwelling you by His Holy Spirit, there will flow out of you springs of living, rivers of living water that will impact the lives of other people. You know what he's saying here? If you come to me and believe, you will not be the same. You'll have a different purpose in life. You'll have a different goal in life. You'll have a different identity in life. And it will forever be wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. It will forever be wrapped up in your new identity in Him. I, I challenge those ninth and 10th graders this morning. I'll tell you now so their parents can hear it, and maybe y'all can do it with them. Take time to take the New Testament. Get a concordance or your computer, if you've got a Bible program, and just search in Christ. Just those two little words, in Christ. And see how many times especially the Apostle Paul, but all through the New Testament, there is that concept of now that you're a believer, you are in Christ. There is a union with Christ. There is a new life in Christ. There's a difference in how you live in Christ. And, and just see the, the magnitude of that. It's a whole sermon series in itself. But what we're saying when we come to this table is I'm in Christ. This is the Lord's table, as I say often. It's not Grace Baptist Church's table. It's not the Baptist Church's table. It's the Lord's table. And it's for every believer that is a baptized believer trusting in Jesus Christ and trusting in Him alone to come and examine yourself. And as you hold that bread, as you hold that fruit of the vine... You think. It's not an emotional thing here. It's a thinking thing. It's an intellectual thing and a spiritual thing. You think this represents Jesus' body which hung on a cross and died that I might live. That body. And I take and I eat it symbolically. And this cup This cup that I hold in my hand is symbolic of His blood. His blood that was poured out. His blood that was shed on that cross. His blood that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. His blood that cleanses me from all unrighteousness, all sin. And I drink it. 
body, blood, not cannibalistic, but new covenant. Celebrating that I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and I am one with Him. I am united with Him. I belong to Him. I am His possession. And that changes everything. In this Advent season, which we are more familiar to call this Christmas season, I like Advent. In this Advent season, may we recognize our true identity. May we rest in our true identity. May we have rivers of living water flowing through us to a world out there that doesn't have a clue. That we might live by His grace. And that we might live for His glory. So we come to this table... The Apostle Paul tells us to examine ourselves. The Apostle Paul says, come to this table and and examine yourself to be sure that you're of the faith. Examine yourself to be sure that your thirst has been quenched, not by stuff, but by Him. Examine yourself as to whether there's sin in your life that is is hindering your relationship and your walk with Him. And if it is, confess it to Him. You don't need a priest to do it to. You are a priest unto Him yourself, and He is your great high priest. Go to Him. And then take of this meal in celebration of the grace He has given you. And remember this. When you see tragedies like Newtown, Connecticut, Columbine High School, massacres in other countries, when you see a world that is invaded by evil and and see a world that we just can't understand, remember King Jesus is coming. He's coming again. He's coming again to set all this right, but it can be set right in your life right now by faith in Him, by trust in Him. It's all about Him. Advent season, Christmas season, Easter season, Resurrection Day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day. It's all about Him. Would you bow your heads with me? I want you to pray. I want you to prepare. I want you to think. I want you to seek His face for His glory. I want you to seek His face for your good. I want you to say, Lord, what is it you want me to learn through this table? 
What is it you want me to experience by way of vital fellowship and communion with you this day? as we take this meal and celebrate it together. I want you to pray the whole time the elements are being passed. I want you to receive those elements and then pray over them. Lord, help me rejoice in your body and rejoice in your blood. Lord, confirm in me the ministry you've called me to. Lord, make me faithful in it. It says that he prayed over the elements, blessed them. Then he passed the bread around to them. He said, this is my body and this is my blood. As these elements are passed, I want you to hold them that we might all eat together. Father, we ask your blessing on the bread and fruit of the vine. We ask your blessings, Lord, on our partaking of it. Lord, let it be a true time of communion with you, fellowship with one another around your table. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. time of the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews had gathered around him were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, Though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. 
Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. but now Lord I come to you Father these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one they are not of the world even as I am not of the world sanctify them in the truth Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, that is these 11 who are with me in the garden, but for those who believe in me through their word, that is, those who are at Grace Baptist Church on December the 16th, 2012, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. be routine, can never be just something we do. It's special to come to his table and say, Lord, I'm grateful for your body and for your blood. We do it once a month. Wish we did it more often. Because it's special to come to this table and say, Lord, thank you. And remember vividly through the painted picture of the bread and the blood, the bread and the juice. Thank you, Father, for the gift you gave us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, this bread is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat it and do this in remembrance of me. he said this cup this cup is the blood of the new covenant it's poured out for you it's the blood that seals you in the new covenant so it's the blood that brings forgiveness of your sin it's a blood that gives you the the privilege of knowing god as a son and a daughter as a child to be adopted into his family this is the blood of the new covenant take and drink it Do this in remembrance of me, remembering I'm coming again.
Scripture says that after doing that, they sang a hymn, that last supper with him, and they went out. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment also this morning, a hymn of invitation, inviting you as he did in the temple. If you're thirsty, come and drink. If you're thirsty, come and have your thirst satisfied by him, by trusting him, by confessing him. And then as we leave, we'll some of our men receiving our caris offering at the door. We call that a pocket change offering. Whatever you want to put in, that goes for just to help meet the needs of our church family. Uh, kind of a special fund for that. So if you can give, do. If you can't, don't. It's totally separate from your normal giving. But let me just say, I invite you to Christ. Invite you to drink of the living water. Him we're going to sing is I will glory in my Redeemer. It's a great way to end this service and this meal. Would you stand with me? As we sing together, as God leads in your life, you be obedient and you come.